Take it. The cops look out there. Stand back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever witnessed. Teddy Bear. I have Mr. Cecil Fletcher here with me. I am David Reed. We are ready to go into a second part of Mr. Ed Edwards. Edwards. Second part of Eddie Edwards. Anyway, no, anyway. Part Dookie. Part Dookie. <laughs> so, in our previous episode, we discussed the known life and times of, and proven life of time, life and times of the serial killer, and I guess professional con man, professional thief, bail jumper, Don't burglar, arsonist, <laughs> and vacuum cleaner salesman Ed Edwards. He did a lot of shit, man. He was a very busy man. <laughs> it made me think. We, I made a reference to the movie Catch Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. And you know how in the movie he's like, I think I'll try pediatrics. That's kind of the way Ed Edwards was. It really was. He's like, I think I'll try <laughs> arson this time. Yeah, exactly. Like he went through every little thing you could do. Um. So yeah, we we went over everything that you know Ed. He uh. He was a character. He he uh stole, killed impersonated his way across this country for many of a decade for at least what six decades probably yeah yeah six decades from the from the time he was a little chitlin till he's a dead old man <laughs> that's what he did and you know we don't mean to be insensitive about his death because he still got kids out there but i think that his kids realize what kind of person he was so yeah but mm-hmm. He's a bad dude. <laughs> Old Ed was. Um, uh, yeah, he was the definition of a career criminal. Yeah. So, like it, like Reed said in the previous episode, we went over his basically his timeline from when he was born until his death of the crimes that he's known to commit, for all the way from uh, stealing bubble gum up to murder. And the one thing we didn't say a real and put a real strong emphasis on in that last episode is that two of the known murders well four of them technically but two of the crime scenes were on lovers lanes yep so they were very similar yeah they were similar and have some other similarities with something else we'll get to in a little bit yeah so with ed dying of natural causes that should have been where his legacy of terror ended you know as being a horrible human being Maybe a good dad sometimes. I kind of doubt that. I doubt it too. Who knows? However, there's a man um, that goes by the name of John Cameron that has brought up a pretty hefty case against Edwards that has that has that has Eddie's fingerprints all over it. These are going to be the crimes and murders and things that have been implicated and a lot of this like we said started with a gentleman 
by the name of John Cameron who started doing some research on Mr. Ed Edwards. One of the things about John too, um, he's been discredited since he's been doing this. And hated probably. And hated by a lot of people I'd imagine. And I feel like that's wrong because he was a cold case detective. He's a retired cold case detective. And he saw maybe 10 or 12 cold cases that were more than two decades old. So this is something that he has history with. And this is something I didn't take down. The way that he got started with this was um, there was a cold case from his hometown where he lived. In Montana? Yeah, in Montana in 1957 of a, lover lane, a Lover's Lane murder. And this was shortly after Ed had confessed to the two Lover Lane murders. And they were so similar, he's like, I'm going to research him for this murder and see if he did it. And during his research, he's like, holy shit, he was in the area when this happened. Yeah. And if you remember on our last episode, one of the places that he was imprisoned was... Montana. Deer Lodge, Montana. So, and this was right around the time frame when it all happened. So, and keep in mind, a lot of this research that uh, Mr. Cameron did was facilitated as well by, if you remember, he wrote, uh, that Ed Edwards wrote the book, <laughs> The Metamorphosis of a Criminal. Yeah. And so this, that whole book was like a very tasty trail of crumbs. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he would speak about things that happened or stories he heard other inmates tell him just so it kind of happened to line up with shit that that Cameron thinks that Ed did. Right. And um, Ed put himself in a lot of these places. People think that John Cameron is a crazy man for thinking all this. I think he's a fucking genius. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with John. So, yeah. John, if you watch this, we're with you. We're with you. And I hope you I hope you get all the proof you need. But, um, basically, John thinks that uh, Ed was responsible for some of the most prolific killings in America. Uh, and a lot of other that wasn't so prolific, you know. So I figured that we, the best way that we should start is to start right from the beginning of what we assume is his first murders, correct? Right. You want to go into it? So I guess we're starting in August of 1938. So how old would he have been then? He would have been five years old. Five years old. So there, and I spoke a little bit about this in the first episode. His <laughs> mother, Lillian Cecilia Myers, uh, apparently was shot according to the reports or whatever it was a suicide she was shot in the stomach with a rifle and ended up dying not due to the gunshot wound but to the sepsis that infected her and my thing about that part is is could it have been Ed because I have high doubts that it could have been her that <coughs> shot herself she used a rifle and if you're familiar whatsoever with the lengths of rifles, to hold a rifle out and pull the trigger would be very difficult to do. Yes. And uh, she would she would have to have super long arms. It would have to be a super short rifle. It just doesn't add up that she shot herself in the stomach and 
Why would you shoot yourself in the stomach anyway? Yeah, with a rifle. And you know, I put a lot of thought into this too. She, it took her a few days to die. She was probably lucid for a little bit of that time. Right. She probably told everybody she shot herself. If Ed was five years old, but this is something that we'll talk about too. He might not have been five years old. There's some reports that Ed was actually born in 1928. Right. He could have been a little bit older, which would have placed him at about being 10 or 11. Yeah. So, so the thing is, if she, if he accidentally shot her, right, she would try to cover that up. You know, like I shot myself, like a mother will sometimes. Right. And and you know this, we're not saying that he necessarily did it to murder her but maybe it was an accidental shooting it could have been or it could have been or maybe that was just his first taste for blood yeah exactly so the the likelihood that he killed his mother with the way that you have to do a suicide by rifle and the place where she chose to shoot herself they don't add up it very doesn't well add up at all yeah, I've got a shotgun in there. I demonstrate, but I'm scared I'd accidentally shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that was the first one that we're thinking maybe. Well, move on to 1945. And actually, the crazy thing about this, this is like, this is the one year after D-Day. Yeah. Well, the thing about, and before we get there, I want to bring up the fact that he was adopted by Mary. Yeah. But she didn't keep him long. Two and, years, I think. Yeah, maybe. and then she put him in this orphanage. I think, in my honest opinion, that they probably knew he shot her. And I was like, well, we'll take the poor little guy in. But then he was just a straight little shit. And they were probably they, scared of him. Yeah, and they were scared of him. Like, maybe he didn't accidentally shoot her. You know? Right. And that's why he was put in this orphanage. Who knows? So, 1945, Ed's in this orphanage. And... Uh, Per his own memory, um, I guess in his book, he was in Chicago around the time that Josephine Ross was brutally murdered. She was stabbed to death. Her throat was slit. She was placed in a bathtub. And her body was washed, and adhesive tape was placed on the wounds. Yeah. And um, so there's not a real whole lot that really leads to evidence that Ed did this. But right he was now, there. He yeah. was in Chicago. Um, he would have been a child. You know, he had been like 13 years old probably. And so on, um, not long after this, about, you know, six months later or so, uh, again in Chicago, Francis Brown was murdered. Uh, they connected the murder to Josephine because there was a no and there was also a note that was written in lipstick on a wall that said, for heaven's sake, catch me before I kill more. I cannot control myself. Uh, Francis was shot in the head, stabbed, post mortem, placed in a bathtub. She was washed, and adhesive tape was applied to her wounds. Same situation. Same thing. Um, so this is the thing I, I brought up that Ed's mother was a pretty attractive lady when she died. Right. Um, the picture of these two women is almost uncanny to Ed's mother. Looked a whole lot clock like Ed's mother. Mm -hmm. A lot like her. So, 
was this Ed, you know, trying to work out his rage? Maybe. So on January 6, 1946, yet again, another, another uh, murder happened, but this was a child that was six years old. Her name was Susie D Dignan? Degnan? Uh, Degnan, yeah. Degnan. She was taken from her home on a Sunday night and a message and ransom note, which I didn't understand that in those, every, everything I said said message and ransom note. Message and ransom note. What? Yeah, that, that seems yeah. odd. Seems odd, but they were left at the house. So she was murdered. She was dismembered. She was chucked into sewers. Um, horrific death. Um, and drain pipes around the neighborhood. Apparently, there was an anonymous tip that led to them finding her body, like shortly after everything happened. So, there was somebody that was apprehended for this. His name was William Herons, um, or Herons, and he was convicted of the murders of Ross Brown and the child. Now, the thing is, in in Ed's book *Metamorphosis of a Criminal*, there's a section where he details that he had three hours alone with a girl in her basement at the around the same time that Susan died. And come to find out Susan was murdered and cut up in her basement, which is similar to something else that we'll go over later. Um, and so the thing about this is I have put a lot of thought into this and I feel like, well, we'll get to it later. Okay. All right. So do you want to go into the yep. next one? So 1947, and this may be one that uh, some of you all have heard of. Elizabeth Sharp, a.k.a. Black Dahlia, disappeared at the age of 22. And then six days later, uh, January 15, 1947, Short's naked body was found severed in two pieces on a vacant lot on the west side of South Norton Avenue. And, uh, of course, everybody remembers the infamous smile that was cut in her face. Yeah. Um, this one right here, uh, it would be hard to believe that a child of 13 years old could do this, I guess. Unless that child was 18. Right. Or unless there's so much evil in this person that age is insignificant. True. Um, but, you know, the whole thing about his age, and this is something strange too, there is a picture of, um, because you would be like, there's no way he could have done this, you know, no way at all. There's a picture of a man with Black Dahlia days before she disappeared, and it looks a fucking lot like it. Very much like it. <laughs> Very much like him, especially around this age. So on March uh, 14th, 1947, there was a note scrawled in pencil on a bit of a full scrap. And it was found tucked in a shoe in a pile of men's clothing by the ocean's edge at the foot of a breeze avenue in Vincent's Los Angeles. Venice. Venice. Vincent. Not like Vincent Vega, like Venice, like Italy. I like Venice. But it was like... Uh, I like Vincent Vega. Vince, Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> Vincent sounds cooler. Right. Why anyway. didn't they name it Vincent? <laughs> I know. I don't know. Because... They felt like they should be more Italian with the Venice. Italian. Italian. What did that note say? Well, it said, To whom it may concern, I've waited for the police to capture me for the Black Dahlia killing. But they have not. 
I'm too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this will be the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for this. Sorry, Mary. Now, the sorry Mary, shortly before all this happened, his adopted mother, Mary Edwards, died. So maybe he was apologizing to her, you think? Yeah. It's kind of strange, ain't it? Yeah, it's very strange. Now, there's other speculation that Black Dahlia was actually infatuated with the death of Susan, right? So guess what street the Black Dahlia was found on? Tell me. Degnan Avenue. Oh, that name rings a bell. Yeah. So, it's pretty coincidental um, that this wow. little girl, Susan Degnan was murdered in Chicago, Ed was there, then in his book he puts himself in San Francisco or wherever this happened, um, I guess Los Angeles, at the same time this happened, and Black Dahlia was transported to a street named with the same name as the little girl's last name. Connection. Yeah, so it's like a, it's like a, it's like that numbers thing, like 1 plus 1 equals 22, right. <laughs> but it's... It's too much of a, it's a weird connection. And that's what you're going to see throughout all, all of these yeah. is the the breadcrumbs, the trail, the instances of the coincidences through his book, these murders that happened, all these little things, there's connections there. Everywhere. Everywhere in this. Mm -hmm. All right, so... And another thing about the Black Dahlia before we move on, um, there's been a website that was created around the year 2000, um, and it's called the BlackDahliaSolution.org, and it claims that the killer was Ed Burns. Um, this was probably Ed Edwards. Um, the author of the website claimed the suicide note encoded the name Ed Burns and reproduced the note from the text. Um, the author also claims that they were 13 years old in January 1947. Um, so, so is that website still up? I have no idea. I would have. I'd have to look it up. Uh, mm. If you go into the next one, I'll definitely do that. All right. So, um, it's and it was also theorized that maybe Ed ran that website. Um, wow. And there's a picture on the website that says this is the killer and it looks like a mugshot of Ed when he was in his 20s. Yeah, the side view of it looks just like him. The website is still up but a lot of the content has been taken down. Yeah, so there you know. Moving, moving on, so now we're into April of 1954. In Boulder, Colorado, Edwards you may have killed Dorothy Gay Howard. She was a 19-year-old girl, and her remains were not identified until 2007, so many, many years later. And the one thing that you want to note in uh, little tidbits of Ed's book is he would note on how he would kill. Yeah. So and... Go ahead. So basically, um, I'll let you go over what this actually said, but the whole thing about this is right before she was murdered, like not even a few days before, if you remember the timeline, he had just been released from a jail. And so... Had the itch? 
he had the itch and his book is the one thing that leads him to everything but he does everything with like his daughter called him puzzle brain so he was always thinking about you know ways to explain things or do things without you know complicated man so he had a passage in his book would you like to, to go over that and this passage reads there would be no more stupid impulsive ripoffs I would plan every crime deliberately, patiently, and cold-bloodedly, whether it was forgery, burglary, or armed robbery. I was still defiant. The world must be made to realize how smart I was. This time, I was going to make a full effort to prove my worth. And then the reason that it's probably he's killed Dorothy. It was outlined in his book. Yeah, and what and right there is the next passage on when he explained the killing of her and why he did it. Next passage says, <laughs> "Well, I'll be son of a bitch. I haven't been out of the reformatory for ten year or ten hours. I'm sorry, and already I've lost thirty two dollars to a slick talking slut." Edwards, you are out of control. And now, out of condition. <laughs> oh, and out of condition. And out of condition. Oh, sorry, I screwed that up. No, yeah. you're fine. But the thing about that passage is, that's exactly when she disappeared. So this is just, you know, so far we went through five that he probably did. Well, six or seven, I can't remember now. And just keep in mind that Ed's still in his teens, basically. Yeah. Teens, early 20s. Teens and early 20s. And um, so on July 4th, 1954, there was a murder of a Marilyn Reese Shepherd in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, at this point, there were, her husband, Dr. Sam Shepherd, he was uh, arrested for this. And um, by all accounts, the trial was a sensational trial. It was apparently crazy. I couldn't find a whole lot of evidence of Edwards murdering Marilyn. But I do know that Sam Shepard, well, he was exonerated in 1966, so it was discovered that he didn't kill her at all. This is almost like a uh, Shawshank Redemption kind of. Yeah, it really is. And Ed was in the area. I mean, by his own admission, he was there in that area. From his book. Yeah. Now, there was a letter that was sent to... Uh, that was sent to Sam Shepard, Dr. Shepard, that admitted that that's that basically said he this person would admit guilt and be executed in exchange for $25,000. This was sent to him on July 13, 1954. There's one thing about this letter, and like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of evidence I could find that linked, let, that linked Ed to this, but there was a letter sent, and they spelled the word business, B-U-S-S-I-N-E-S. Double consonants. Double consonants. Um, now this is going That's to come, going to come back later. This is yep. going to come back a few times. Um, and the thing is, do a lot of people suffer from that, you think? Well, here's my theory on that. Ed was obviously extremely smart. Mm -hmm. I think he did it on purpose. Like as like a... Like as because he knew down the road, yeah. I'm going to leave a little telltale sign. So it's kind of like his imprint. A little bit of a calling card. A very subtle, 
puzzled calling card. Hmm. Well, that's wild, man. Because he was not a dumb person by any stretch of the imagination. No, not at all. Look at, and people, you know, the one thing that I found that people kick back on, they're like, well, look at how many times he was arrested. Look at how many times he did this. Look at how many times he did that. Look at how many times he got a fucking way with it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like bare minimum every time. Look how many times that he manipulated people. Yeah. You know, who, who's to know that he didn't manipulate to get caught? Yeah. Because he, maybe, I mean, he may be addicted to the attention, the prison <laughs> life, the, I mean. Well, he just, everybody knew he loved attention. That was his thing. Like, that's the reason whenever you seen him on these shows and stuff, he was so gleeful. He went on that tour. Um, as a reformed man and shit, like he was somebody that loved the attention. So yeah, he probably and, set himself up to get caught for these lesser crimes. And I, I think that was that was part of his, I guess, evil plan and persona is to see how much he could manipulate and be defiant. Yeah. And so the whole theory of um, well, he got arrested all these times. I think he wanted to. Would you throw that out there? <laughs> I mean, I, I would, I would, I think so on some of them for sure. Yeah, I do too. So you know, there's a lot of ones that we're going to cover that there's not a whole lot of evidence in, but there's just always some little thing, some connection, whether it's you know through his book, uh, through where he was living, you know things like that. But so you want me to pop over to the next yeah, one? Yeah, go ahead. So, October 16th, 17th, 1955, in Chicago, uh, there was a murder. Uh, three teens in Robinson Woods Park. A 13-year-old Robert Peterson, 13-year-old John Schusler, 11-year-old Anton Schusler, were laid out naked in the sign of the cross, a big dipper carved in the leg. Yeah. Now, for this one, there's not a lot of evidence. But tell them the little bit of evidence there was. So, for the picture taken on the 22nd of 1955 at the funeral, shows Edwards consoling the parents at the funeral next to the coffin. Next he was there he at, was the, at funeral. the funeral. Yeah. Picture evidence. Yeah, he was there. Um, for the interest, so again for the interest of time, we're meant some murders in between these. There were more. Yeah. <laughs> like there's just no evidence for a lot of them now you may remember us um, talking about Ed getting questioned and his uh, fake parole officer calling and getting him off when he was questioned, being questioned for the murders of a Larry Payton and a Beverly Allen on the lover's lane well um, the reason he was being questioned for this murder is because Larry was known to carry a 22 pistol in his car well, um, when the cop, when they, when they found the car, there was a bullet hole in the windshield that looked like it had came from the inside out. Right. All right. So Larry seen danger and shot as a person should do in any instance when you fear for your life. Remember, don't kill to be killing, but if one needs killing, defend yourself, defend yourself. And so, you know, if you remember, Larry was found beaten to death and Beverly was found raped and strangled uh, about a month later. And as you say in your notes, this is where shit gets crazy. Yeah. So, when they found the bodies, Ed 
was found at the scene of the murder the day after they found everything. Now, remember the twenty two pistol? Well, it, it's completely missing. They can't find it anywhere. But Ed's at this, at this murder scene with a gun, gunshot wound on his arm. He had been shot. <laughs> so, and this is when they're like, Hey, uh, Larry probably shot this motherfucker. This guy's shot. Why is he even here? Let's take him for questions. <laughs> and, yeah, and if you if you know anything about serial killers and stuff like that, they always like to. Uh, there's been plenty of cases where they like to return to their crime scenes yeah. and watch things unfold, and that's just kind of a mentality of a serial killer as well. So here's Ed at the crime scene, bullet wound in his arm. Yeah. Now, if you don't think that's strong enough evidence, Beverly worked out late, right? Well, um, she was telling people about a man that she knew. Um, she was friends with this man that was recently released from Deer Lodge Prison. Isn't that in Montana? That's Haven't we Montana. talked about that before? We talked about this. In Ed's book, um, in the same area, he would tell about how he hung out at the lake, telling women how rich he was. Yeah. And uh, had him a nice boat. I've seen nice that picture boat. of him with his boat. And, yeah. <laughs> so he was. So him and uh, Beverly were apparently friends. And uh, so let's go ahead and call it. I think that he straight up did that. One. I think that he did that one for sure. And somehow, whenever he went on the top ten after this, he never got questioned about it again. How in the fuck does that happen? <laughs> I, is that and, a lack of police work or is it because of the times well know. and you know it makes you think too why are so many people uh, why is John Cameron catching so much hate yeah exactly maybe people covered up things and that's I mean I don't know that's just coincidental that is very coincidental and I, I have a strong theory about something that will get to at the end of this series okay which is um out of this world as some would say and it probably ain't true but we'll go over it anyway because <laughs> i'm a gangster we likes to spice it up <laughs> so um this next one there's not a whole lot of evidence about but it's pretty crucial it's the rubison family murders now this is a mass murder that occurred in, in a college on lake michigan um in good heart michigan uh, basically, the murders began with five gunshots aimed directly at the family patriarch, Richard. Um, it was fired from a rear window from a, what they suspect was a 22 rifle. But it could have most certainly been a 22 pistol. At this point, the killer entered the college unlocked, and um, unlocked the door, killing the remaining five people with shots to the head from a 25 caliber pistol. Uh, Susan and Richard were in turn beaten with a hammer that was found at the murder scene. It was just left there. After everything was said, Don Gary, so it was Gary, Shirley, and their four children, Richie, Gary, Randy, Randy, and Susan. Sandy. Yeah, they were all murdered. Now this was pinned on somebody named Joseph Ren Raymond Scarlo. Scalaro. Scalaro. Now he did embezzle money. He was he didn't have an alibi for twelve hours a day of the death. He um, did purchase weapons like that. <laughs> so, yeah, the evidence is strong, but I mean, who knows, you know? 
And uh, there's one thing in his book where he talks about a little shit on an airplane trying to open the door and putting his life in jeopardy. And uh, some believe it was uh, one of the children. So, you know. That one's, that one's a little bit of a stretch, but... It is. There's, it, there's links there. It is a bit of a stretch until um, there was a note sent to the press signed by the Zodius shortly after the death. And the reason I say the Zodius, um, that's going to come into play here very shortly. Yeah, and he did not pronounce mispronounce that. That's the Zodius. Yeah. But keep that in mind. Coming up. Yeah. So Edward relays the story in his book. You know, I already told you about that, about the little kid trying to open up. All right. So moving on to the next one. Yeah, I'll, Des- let, I'll let you go. All right. That one. December 20th, 1968, the first Zodiac murders occurred when the Zodiac approached a car parked on a lover's lane. Let me repeat that. A lover's lane in Valheo, California. Uh, The victims were shot with a 22 caliber pistol. Maybe the same one that was stolen from Larry very possible ain't it yeah so the reason we bring up the zodiac killings i personally believe for a fact he was the zodiac this is the one i'm probably most convinced uh me too and if i'm convinced about this i'm convinced about a couple more (laughs) and keep in mind the letter sent to the press after the robinson family was the zodius so maybe it was a precursor yeah, and so, you know, keep in mind that here, here's another thing about the Zodiac. I mean, I'm just going to read this, what you put on this. So, Ed Edwards' daughter, April, who turned Ed into the police, uh, said that Ed was, as he said, as Cecil said before, puzzle-brained, and that he was an extensive planner. Uh, April suspects that Ed was the Zodiac killer and that he forced them as that when they were children to watch every movie tv show about the zodiac killer and edward's daughter said that he would he, he said he it, it kind of brought out a dark side in him uh he would verbally and physically abuse their mother Kay, making their kids watch these movies and when something would happen in the movie from time to time he would get frustrated and say, that's not the way that happened. Yeah. So, that's one thing. <laughs> and, um, and from the way that, he, and from the fact that April turned him in because he took him to the scene of a crime, kind of seems like he kind of enjoyed involving his family and stuff. And another thing I didn't throw in there is other two kids, they think he probably was too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah another connection to I mean here's here's other okay we got he said the Zodius before that yeah. now the Zodiac killer the letters with double consonants because the Zodiac sent letters with double consonants as yeah. well spelling business we, with yeah, two S's go back to the letter where it had two S's in business yeah. uh, and he would get frustrated in front of his kids when he thought the Zodiac movies didn't play out the way that's not the way it happened yeah. And, um, and if you know anything about the Zodiac killings, one of the one of the people that survived 
the Zodiac killings. I don't remember his name, but um, it was a male, and he survived one of the killings, and the Zodiac talked to him and told him specifically that he had been in Deer Lodge Prison. Where he was a very prolific and skilled leather, leather worker. Yeah. And what did the Zodiac wear but a leather hood? And the survivor remarked on how intricate the stitching was. Yeah. So. And if you go back to the previous episode and remember, four of the five killings that Ed admitted to happened on Lover's Lanes. Happened on Lover's Lanes. So, you know, this this might not be a whole lot of evidence to some people. This might be like, oh, coincidence. Which a lot of this is coincidence, you know. Um, except, you know, the three kids, the Zodiac, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with the Zodiac symbol. It's a circle with a cross in it. So, the three kids that were killed where he was at the funeral were placed in a cross. All right. So that would tie that into there. Yeah. The fact that Ed was in Deer Lodge and is a known master leather worker by the photo album he made for the child. Uh, the fact that the first murders were where a 22 pistol and Larry's pistol had disappeared, you know, not, not long before this. Uh, maybe. And, of course, you know, the double continents. And keep in mind, in his own book that he wrote, The Metamorph Metamorphosis of a Criminal, he places himself in these areas just through the his story in the book. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Ed was somebody, he was like, I don't care to die. He wanted to. He wanted to die. And one of the encryptions that was decoded recently, and, and there was one released, you know, a while back too, um, it mentions being reborn in paradise. And everybody that he killed would be his slaves welcome as his slaves Ed, Ed had the same mentality yeah and didn't he say something to the fact that he would still be killing <coughs> after he was dead and gone oh yeah for sure and what that ties into is some of the people that were framed and charged well not framed well, I say framed that were accused of some of these crimes and murders were people that were sentenced to prison or stuff like that and so if Ed framed people and got them put in prison and so he's now dead then yeah he's still killing from his grave absolutely because he framed them to die yeah so you know this might not be enough evidence for everybody you know the fact that the that the person was in, um, that the uh, killer was in Deer Lodge, that the leather worker was intricate, and Ed was a really well leather worker, and um, he's very good at that. And there, the 22 pistol that was missing from Larry's car was probably used in these killings, um, or the fact that he just looks like a fucking composite, <laughs> or the fact <laughs> <laughs> because he does. I mean, but. The thing about this is the deposit of Zodiac Killer and the deposit sketch of D.B. Cooper. Cooper, yeah. Yeah, they, they look the same. Um, but but, but I didn't put this one down in here, but the 
there is a thought that it was D.B. Cooper. And it ties together, but I left that out because I just, the only thing I could find was that he was probably D.B. Cooper. Like, there's nothing. Right. So we'll move on with this because even with all this evidence, if you don't think that it was a Zodiac killer, there's one thing that made me a believer. There's a lot of evidence to support the claim with the murders that can be researched. But the one that I want to, research, that I want to discuss the first, like mainly is the murder of the cab driver, Paul Stein. Right. And if you've ever watched the movie The Zodiac, this is in the movie. Yeah. So Paul Stein was uh, held um, for a pickup at Lefty Old Duels. Alright. So he was later murdered. Um, and this is where the cops could have caught the Zodiac. They they ran into a white man and the white man you know had the reddish blonde hair and this and he was like we're looking for this guy and he's like oh he went that way you know the old yeah. cartoon gag um ed of course he had the reddish blonde hair blah 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 so that's another thing but anyway the thing is lefty old duels is where ed's aunt worked his aunt edith bellet worked there or Bellet. And Paul was murdered by Don Bellet's house, who is Ed's cousin. Ooh. So. Sounds like the GPS is lining up. Yeah. So, that right there should tell you, like, if you have any, any idea, like, how fucking coincidental is all this shit? And keep in mind, there was a letter sent um, that said that somebody knew the identity of the Zodiac because they spent time with him at Deer Lodge Prison and it was an Akron, Ohio man that sent the letter Ed lived in Akron, Ohio he said he wouldn't tell who it was because he had a book coming out soon and was going to release his own information and a year later Metamorphosis of a Criminal came out was released you know, so and keep in mind that the double continents and everything like that so I mean Zodiac Killer for fucking short, I think, to my core. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I have no doubt that this was the guy. Yeah, for sure. Like, he matches, well, a lot of people match the sketch back then. All them guys kind of look like that, but short, stocky, reddish, blonde hair. Um, the, the fact that he was picked up outside of where his aunt worked and, and murdered Paul by his cousin's house I mean, that should tell you right there. And in his book, he talks about how he didn't like his aunt very well, so he could have just done this just to fuck with her. Like, oh, there's a murder right down the road. Yeah. Yeah. This is just, uh, I don't like you. I'm going to kill your <laughs> son. Or was his nephew or son? son? Her son? Oh, Paul Stein? He was just a cab driver. Oh. Yeah. But he did it right outside her. He picked her. He got, he got picked up outside of her work and did it right below her house. So... So, I mean, Ed was probably the killer for sure. So, this if this hasn't intrigued you about Ed Edwards, keep in mind that we are not done. This is, this is, this is the big one. I think he did this for sure. And he, like, studied, and, you know, the Zodiac stuff has a lot of, like, hieroglyphic style symbols and stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that he studied... Ed studied while he was in prison at Deer Lodge was ancient Egyptian history and Aleister Crowley. Yeah, and and Ed was real into the occult, um, and you know, 
of course, he, he did the Egyptian studies and everything. He wasn't a stupid man. Not by any means. Um, and I really do think he did it. To me, if if even a fraction of this is, is I mean, it's all, you know, it's coincidental, but um, I believe he was so smart that this was all a game to him. And I, I believe his intelligence was, although demented, evil, sadistic, I think his intelligence was off the charts. For sure. And this was just the most, he was the most elaborate killer ever. Yeah. And you may think that's the heaviest hitter. And I will say that might be the one with the strongest evidence. Um, but that's definitely not the end of it. No, not by any means. We've dropped a big bomb on you there on some of these so far. Uh, this is, you know, we're we're both real convinced he was the Zodiac killer. But the crazy thing about this, we're not done. Not at all. Um, and this is this is the thing about Ed. It's so extensive. The research that John has put into this, and I'm on, he, I'm crediting him with most of this. Some of the stuff I pulled from other things, other resources, other evidence, but most of it comes from John Cameron's books. Right. Um, this shit is crazy, man. Because we left out, even from the time period we did today, I probably left out 12 additional murders. If Ed did all these murders, God, I don't know. <laughs> He's killed 3,400 people. And, you know, we've always said in some of our other episodes about serial killers and, and stuff like that, that there's so many that, you know, these serial killers admit to, who knows how many they didn't admit to. Exactly. And I think Ed Edwards was just a master of covering up what he did to make it a game. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it would have never been figured out if somebody who was not also puzzle-brained hadn't picked it up yeah and that's the reason i think that john cameron may be a genius himself because he he links everything so perfect like he's like right here it is this is this this is what happened and if you keep if you remember from our first episode one of the things that he did so much was he escaped several times from prison mm -hmm. and i think he got an extreme high off of getting away with stuff whether it be escaping from prison or murdering for sure I agree with that 100% and you know I would say like escaping in prison was a rush yeah but if you're that sadistic imagine what kind of rush he got from killing people framing other people for the crimes and getting away with it but yeah that that's that's the end of part two I, I wish we would I wish we could have covered everything but we don't want to put you guys through two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. That's that's why this one's getting broken down into episodes. But um, It's just so much to cover. And I, I strongly suggest if you have any inkling that you ever want to go on a journey to start researching this. Um, because since I've been doing it, it's, it's insane. Like, if you wanted to go through the whole timeline of this, we couldn't do this in 12 episodes. Like, it's, it's fucking nuts. No. <laughs> like, We're hitting highlights, and this is going to be a three-parter. Yeah. 
So we're going to call it after the Zodiac again. You know, tell us your tell us if you think he was a Zodiac killer. Um, tell us if you have any insight on it, or if you if you know the Zodiac killer. <laughs> tell us if you think we're insane. I mean, you know. Yeah, let us know. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at bipolar underscore TV, bipolar underscore Teddy Bear at Instagram, and bipolar underscore Teddy Bear. Outlook.com. If you want to message, email us about anything. Um, if you want to be a guest on this podcast or the Wearing the Folk series, message us on Twitter, Instagram, or email us. Um, and uh, keep in mind um, to go. I, I know I forgot to mention this in the last episodes, but go check out everybody that we that we've ever worked with. Um, I've been I've been reading a little bit more about Mason, um, so. Try to check that out. Yeah. Check out the Mason Smith case um, because we're still everybody's still looking for answers in that. Um, check out Unexplained Scotland uh, with Martin Shaw. That's some good stuff. Uh, check out Unbound Underground. Uh, check out uh, the books by Vic Ferrari. I've got them all now. Thank you, yeah. Vic. Um, I bought them, but thank you for writing them. <laughs> yes. um, and they're good. I'm, I'm not done with them, but I will be soon. And uh, again, you know, thank you for watching us um, because we're watching you.